you know, this week, um, as I was studying Daniel, I, I had an opportunity to actually, um, I teach advanced honors pre-cal at my school, uh, pre-calculus, and I was supposed to teach complex numbers, and I was trying to, I was trying to help the kids get into understanding that they're actually real things. We call them imaginary, but that's a name that we give them, but they're actually real things, and they have a reality. And, you know, and I just told them, we have a physical being, but we express things like poetry and song. They're expressions of our spirit. They're expressions of who we are. Our art is a, is a reality. It doesn't, it's not that it's unreal. It's just that we've got a physical manifestation of some characteristic that's within us. So this week what we're going to see in the book of Daniel is we're going to see that Daniel gets a chance to express to Nebuchadnezzar who God is in those kinds of terms. And it's pretty cool. Okay? So, uh, so I'd like for us to look at Daniel chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And we're going to be looking at the, uh, how governments fail. We're going, to see, uh, we're going to see failing governments. And I use plural there because uh, he'll talk about several different governments. And we're going to see that Daniel has, uh, Daniel again is in captivity in Babylon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians have captured Israel, captured Jerusalem. They exported a whole bunch of those people and said, okay, y'all can't stay here anymore. Not all, but many. Uh, and they took basically the creme de la creme of, of the Jews and they took them off to Babylon they train them in their own culture, in their own language, in their own art. Uh, they just immerse them into it. And in, uh, and in three years, we end up with uh, Hebrews that speak Babylonian. And they, they can talk to Babylonians in Babylonian kinds of ways. Okay? By the way, there's still leftovers of that culture even today. If you've ever used a word like a dozen to measure eggs or a gross for bottle rockets being a dozen dozen 144 and we see it even in the new testament we see a focus on the number 12 okay that that number is functionally coming out of the babylonian empire and the way that they did cosmology so uh, they really focused on the number 12 a whole lot so okay so in daniel chapter 2 if somebody would read for us in a loud, clear voice then, uh, verses 1 through 4. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. The king summoned magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. They came in and stood before the king. He said to them, I had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. The astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. Okay. So the first thing we see is, first of all, in chapter 1, we saw that, uh, that Nebuchadnezzar comes in, and he conquers Jerusalem, and Daniel and his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego by their Babylonian names, they are all trained for three years and enter the service of the king. And yet, this looks like it's a time warp, back to the second year of Nebuchadnezzar. That's not true at all. Nebuchadnezzar's dad, Nabopolozar, uh, was actually co-reigning with Nebuchadnezzar. So this is the second year of his reign by himself. Okay, so we've got a progression in time. The three years have passed. They've been trained. We're in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's full reign by his, on, on his own. Okay, without his dad being with him. Okay, uh, and what do we notice here? What do we notice about Nebuchadnezzar? He couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep. He's having dreams that are troubling him. Troubling dreams. Okay, now most of us have had troubling dreams. And in a Western culture, we often associate troubled dreams with bad pizza or greasy food, or acid reflux, or something of that nature, okay? We ascribe 
the, the reason for those bad dreams to chemical reactions going on in our body or stress during our daily life. Okay? Keep in mind that that is a very Western way of thinking about those things that, in, that, that God has spoken to people with dreams, has spoken to people in dreams and through dreams for years, for centuries, for millennia. Okay? When Abraham went down into Egypt with Sarah and he lies about, well, he covers up the truth, whatever you want to call it, okay, and says, oh, yeah, Sarah... You know, she's my sister, okay? Kind of true. When, when he does that, how does the, how does the Egyptian uh, ruler, how does he find out? He finds out through a dream, okay? How does uh, any number of things throughout the Bible happen? Uh, God reveals it to people in dreams. And in Joel, we're actually told that in the latter times, which we're now in, God will give dreams and visions to his people, both men and women. Okay? So uh, these things often come from God. We deny them in our culture that they come from God. But that doesn't mean they don't come from God. Okay? So uh, we can be influenced by pizza and stuff like that too. Okay? But, uh, but God often speaks to people with dreams. Okay? Notice who he consults. Who's he consult? Magicians, astrologers, people like that. Okay? Now, these are what we call magi in the New Testament. These are the wise men of the East. Okay? They're astrologers. They are people who have divided up the heavens into, oh, by the way, 360 degrees in a circle. They've divided up the heavens into 360 parts. Okay, so again, there's that number 12 that's playing out, okay? Um, so these are people that are into numerology. They're into uh, the zodiac. They've described the stars in terms of certain constellations and said that those things had power over our daily lives. So we see that uh, Herod uh, encounters the wise men. And they have consulted the stars, and God used the stars in that case to actually point to Jesus' birth. The wise men were in tune to that. Herod didn't make that association, okay, because he was Hebrew, okay? So, in the same kind of way that if we had a recurring problem with sleep, we might go to a doctor, or we might go to the pharmacist and say, what can I do for... Uh, sleep, uh, you know, we might go to uh, essential oils or something of that nature. We might say, how can I solve this problem? He goes to the people that he would think would be able to solve the problem. Okay? And what's he ask them to do? Not just interpret the dream. Tell me what the dream is. So, I've seen these magicians on TV before. They've got Cards, and they shuffle the cards, and they hold up a card, and you see the card, and, you, and they say, I'm going to tell you what your card is without seeing the card. Or they've got something like uh, pieces of paper, and they say, I want you to draw your favorite thing on here, and they hand you a piece of paper, and you draw your favorite thing, and then they tear it up, and they do all kinds of magic on it, and then they pull it out of a hat, and there's your thing that you've written, okay? I have yet to see one single magician stand up and say, you think of anything at all that you want to, and I'm going to tell you in detail what that is. Don't say anything to anybody. I'm not asking you your favorite animal. I'm not asking you your favorite number or a specific color. I'm just going to read your mind. As a matter of fact, I'm going to read your mind, even though you haven't talked to anybody. I'm going to read your mind from 1 o'clock this morning. And what you saw at 1 o'clock this morning in a dream that you didn't tell anybody about. I've never seen a magician do that. Have y'all? Not a sleight of hand trick. That's a pretty sleight of hand trick. Okay? That's true mind reading. So, the magicians don't like it. Okay? So... Verses 5 through 9. Somebody read those for us. 
The king replied to them, I have firmly decided if you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it. Again they replied, tell us the dream and we will interpret it. The king answered, you conspire to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. Tell me the dream and I will know you can interpret it for me. Tell me the character of this Babylonian king as seen in this demand right here. His way or the highway. Which I've used in class before. I don't think I've taken it to this extreme. He doesn't seem to trust his magicians. Went to, went to a cardiologist a few years ago. He told me to give up caffeine. I gave up caffeine. I went back to him. I, he said, how's it going? Have you cut back on your caffeine? I said, no. I cut it out. You told me to cut it out. He said, I'm not used to people doing what I tell them to do. I said, why would I pay you all that money and not do what you tell me to do? He said, well, okay. If you'll just cut back on it, that's going to be good enough. Okay? He just, he just said, cut it all out so I would cut back on it. Okay? So here's Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, no, I don't, I don't trust these. I don't trust you guys. You're just making this stuff up. That's the way I feel about the sleight of hand tricks. The magicians that I see do these parlor tricks, we call them, okay? I think they've got some kind of a trick going on. I don't think they're calling up spiritual forces to accomplish this, okay? When they pull a bunny out of a hat, I don't see Satan being at the root of that. I, I'm looking at some kind, you know, I mean, it's, it's a little white bunny. Uh, except for that one in Monty Python and the Holy Grail, most white bunnies are fairly ha harmless. So, okay. So, uh, what's he assume about them? Uh, they're, they're going to try to trick him. Yeah, they're, trying, they're conspiring to trick him. They're trying to trick him. He's, he's wise and discerning enough to realize the the science of being vague and fortune telling. Because fortune telling is just, you use a vague statement mm -hmm. that people will naturally attribute to themselves. He, Absolutely. He can see through the, the veil. I had a, a few years ago, I had a, a pair of students come by and they had a prediction about my personality based on some questions. Would I take their little quiz? And I said, sure. They gave me the quiz. What's your birthday? What's your favorite color? absolutely harmless questions that told them nothing about my personality. Zero. Zip. Zilch. Okay? They come back after analyzing their data and they give me a full description of my personality. But their description of my personality would have fit any one of us. Any one of us. That's basically a way a lot of zodiacs are written, isn't it? Okay? Doesn't matter if you're talking about Asian zodiacs or Eastern zodiacs. Doesn't matter. Okay? A lot of times they're done with these generic kinds of things. You know, you get a fortune cookie. And you are, you're really putting confidence in it for the way that you live? Really? You know, but we all know people that do that. Okay? So this tells us a lot. This guy didn't get to be emperor of the Babylonian Empire by being stupid. Okay. So, okay, somebody read verses 10 through 13, and let's keep going. The astrologers answered the king, No one on earth can do what you ask. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing as any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asks is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. This made the king so furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued, and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. Okay. So, what what do we see about the astrologers right here? What do we learn about them? What truth do they speak? We don't actually know what we're doing. <laughs> we, we don't actually know what we're doing, but who does? God. God. Only, spir only spiritual beings could possibly know what was going on in your mind in this dream. And don't 
Only spirit. It's us. It's in the spiritual world. It's interacted with you during your dream, and that and the gods, they say, are the only ones who know it. And what else does he say about the gods? They don't live among men. So, which was true at that time. Now, Jesus is God and comes down to earth to live among us, to show us that God is not distant from us as we thought he was. Okay? So, and he again uh, says, I'm given an order, put them to death. Cut them up into pieces, sell off their house in a big yard sale, literally. Okay? Uh, okay? Tear up their houses, destroy their families. This is pretty severe stuff. Okay. Now, when you're emperor of an empire like this, you can do that kind of stuff. But I just want you to see that, that this, is, this is the guy that's in charge. Okay. We see the same kind of stuff out of Nero, emperor in Rome. So once you have these powerful, rich and powerful people, there becomes an egotism that says... You, it's my way or the highway, and my way actually may mean, uh, I mean, highway may mean I'm going to take you out and we'll kill you. Cheryl? Okay, so why did they send men to look for Daniel and his friends? He wasn't among them, the magicians and all that? He was not among them. So it doesn't say he got all of the magicians together. Keep in mind that, uh, that what the emperor has is he has a service we might think of it like we would if we had uh, if we had doctors, we would not keep all the doctors in Washington D.C. We'd spread the doctors out throughout the empire. Okay, so these wise men are actually people who help the the local rulers, the local governors, to discern good and bad. So they're going to be spread out throughout the kingdom. So they're evidently in Babylon. But they're not in the palace when the king asks. So but that didn't answer my question. Why did they send? Why did they look for Daniel and his friends? Because they considered they Daniel counted the wise men. Oh, they were. They, they, Daniel and his friends count as wise men. They have been trained with the mathematics, with the astrology, with all of the knowledge and the learning of the Babylonians we saw in chapter one. So they are now entering, they have entered into the king's service. They are wise men. Uh, somebody asked last week, this is, a tra this is traditionally a post that requires these guys to become eunuchs. Okay? And they don't do so by choice. So uh, this is traditionally uh, a eunuch's position, and, and they are spread throughout the kingdom to... And we'll see, we'll see a, a clue of that a little bit later on as well. Okay? Verses 14 through 19. Somebody else? When Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. He asked Arioch, Why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went into the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. Then Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. Okay, excellent, thank you. What do we see about Daniel here? His wisdom attacked. Wisdom and tact. Do you notice he goes and asks for more time? Mm -hmm. Okay. I had a student that uh, I gave a test six days ago. Okay. So it was due six days ago. They emailed me on Friday at 4.30 p.m. saying, I didn't turn in my test. When can I take the makeup test? Now, I didn't cut that student into pieces physically. But in my email reply, I gave them a pretty short answer. OK? 
Okay? They didn't approach it with wisdom intact. They didn't ask. They didn't come with any kind of politeness. They came with a presumptive attitude. Okay? Daniel doesn't do that. I don't go to my boss in that kind of a way. Okay? The king has given an order, kill them all. We'll let the gods sort them out who's right and who's wrong. Kill them all. Okay? Daniel and his friends, Daniel approaches the king and says, will you give me a night? Give me a little bit more time and I'm going to seek wisdom from God. And the king says, sure, I'll give, you, I'll give you another night. Okay. What else do we see, by the way? Today's pretty calm. Um, like in today's culture, a lot of times people, even if they think you're saying something they disagree with, a lot of times they'll get really heated and they'll, uh, they'll stop listening to you. They'll kind of fly off the handle and start talking fast to you. Woo! And I feel like Daniel's got something he really disagrees with here. Like, you know, uh, you're about to get killed. And he's just like, oh, hey, man, you, uh, you might give me, what's going on there? You might give me a little bit more time on it. He doesn't, uh, doesn't seem to get really upset about it, which is yeah. a lot more calm than people today would act yeah. over something minor as like a, a political policy. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we see this of the apostles in the New Testament. They get arrested and they don't go into panic mode. Keep in mind, they've already seen Jesus at the cross. They've seen Jesus beaten, crucified, and yet they also saw Jesus risen. Mm-hmm. That gives us a confidence when we're dealing with the world. Okay, I had, a, I had an older lady uh, when we first met, the very first Sunday we met outside, and her husband had died early with corona, uh, in the coronavirus uh, problem, plague, whatever you want to call it. And uh, her husband had died. They had to have a small private funeral, and it was our first time back as a church. She's like 80 years old. She said, everybody else is like wearing hazmat suits and stuff. And she comes up without a mask on or anything, and she says, will you give me a hug and pray for me? I'd rather, this is what she said, I'd rather die with coronavirus than live without my church family. Wow. Wow, there's there's power in that statement right there. I hugged her this morning. What's that? I hugged her this morning. I hugged her this morning too. Yeah. So, okay. So this is a harsh decree. Okay. We see harshness out of out of the uh, the emperor. Okay. Now let's continue to look. Verses 20 through 23. Somebody else. Praise be to the name of God forever. Wisdom and power belong to him. He changes times and seasons. He disposes kings and raises others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Wow. Tell me about God from this scripture. He changes times and seasons. There's a time to speak Babylonian, but it ain't now, folks. Okay? There's a time, you know, I, I, I tell people, you know, I see people speaking all kinds of languages throughout the day, you know, and I say, hey, you're in America now. Speak Spanish. You know? <laughs> you know there's a time to speak Spanish. There's a time to speak Laotian. There's a, a, a time to speak each of our language groups. Okay? There's a time to do all kinds of stuff. God orchestrates these times and seasons. What else do we see about God? see a lot of authority over um, just the way the world is set up and also the way that our people, nations, groups in the world are set up too. Yeah, yeah. God is in charge of nations. God will move rulers. He deposes kings. If you do not like the president of the United States, the king of this country or that country, Pray to God about it. You don't have to go out and buy yourself a high-powered sniper rifle. You you know, you don't don't have to wage like a one-man war. You pray to God about deliverance. 
from who it is that's evil. God will not tolerate it. God wouldn't tolerate Hitler. God won't tolerate evil dictators. He will bring them to an end. It is for him to actually do that. Okay? We want to take that authority on ourselves sometimes. I'm not discouraging you from voting. God can use that as well to remove people in our country. That's not true in all countries. Okay? What else do we say about God? He has, he has infinite wisdom and knowledge. Like, he knows all these things. And so, yeah. Yeah. When, and he, he showed those things to Daniel and his friends when, when they asked. And he didn't show them. Okay, so he has, he has all this knowledge. I get behind a train sometimes. Uh, uh, you know, trains crossing the path, and you know, and it's it's making me later than I want to be to get to Lowe's or or uh, to get to work or something like that. I really don't know what would have been on the other side of that train track. I don't know what might have been. None of us do, but God does. God's got the times and the seasons. And God waited until just the right moment to reveal this to Daniel and his friends. And by the way, notice, he waits until Daniel asks. That's a very important point, Catherine, because we sometimes fail to ask God. We just sit around and wait for him to deliver. And he's waiting for us to ask. Okay? So we need to get, Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. Oh, we need to learn to ask. He may still have a reason for delaying. By the way, Daniel is asking God now for something. He asked God at the end of the book, God, you told us 70 years. It's been 70 years. Where's our deliverance? And God says, I was waiting for you to ask that. And he gives them deliverance. This is cool. Okay, we're going to see that that he relies on the word of God. Anything else about God here? I would say any wisdom and power. Like, like that seems so simple. Like, wisdom and power are yours, but that can mean, like, that can do so much, wisdom and power, both. And those two things that seem so simple God. Yes. It shows how powerful yeah. Wisdom and power. And he even says, yeah, he has, you have given me wisdom and power. Okay. Last week I shared with you as, as an ROTC cadet, I had a major that came to me asking me how to solve a particular problem. It was a personnel problem. And he came to me and he asked me that. The reason he came was because he'd, he had knowledge but he didn't have wisdom. He didn't know how to interact with those people on that particular issue. And he says, what would you do? And I shared with him what I would do. And he's going like, that's pretty wise. Okay? Now, where do I get that wisdom? I get that wisdom from God. God teaches us how to interact with other people with love and with respect. God teaches us those things. God gives us that wisdom. Okay? So... And he gives us power. Power not to exercise our own will over people, but his power so that he can move in people's lives. Okay? So a lot said about God right here. Okay? Um, Wow, God reveals deep and hidden things. So, you know, I I just think of how many times I looked to my pizza for an answer to why I had this bad dream instead of listening to what that dream might tell me. Okay. So, okay. Verses 24 through 28. Somebody read those for us. Loudly. Daniel went to the area mm-hmm. and said to him, take me to the king. I will interpret this dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king once once and said, I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell me, who can tell the king what your dream means. The king asked Daniel, can you tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? 
First, tell me about Ariok. Tell me about his reply. What do you see? Hey, me, I'll do it. <laughs> I found someone that can, that can do what you're asking. Yeah, I found someone. I found somebody. Okay. Did he just find somebody? He just happened on somebody? He was out looking for something? No. He went out to kill Daniel and his friends. Okay. But he comes in. He's willing to take the credit. Hey, I got this great guy here. He's going to tell you all you want to know. It sounds like the first guy to express confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see the opportunity to move up in the world and jump on it. There it is. You better believe it. I'll take credit for Daniel. You might also be in trouble if Daniel can't do it. So that's, yeah, that's, that's right. You see your shot hop on the right and start. You just hang on. Keep in, mind in, keep in mind in chapter 1, God caused Arioch to be favorable to Daniel. And he proved... In little things, he proved his truthfulness and his faithfulness to Arioch. And so God puts us in charge of little things. Day by day, God puts us in charge of little things so that when the big trials come, we're ready for them. Okay? There are other people that will try to take the credit for that. Okay? That doesn't seem to bother Daniel at all. Who does Daniel give the credit to? Absolutely to God. He says, nobody, no, I can't do it. None of these wise men can do it. The horoscope isn't going to tell you the answer. The stars don't have it written what you dreamed. But there's a God in heaven and he's given you this dream. And now what did he tell him he gave him the dream for? What will happen in days to come? What's going to happen in days to come? This is why Daniel is counted among the prophets. Though Daniel never calls himself a prophet. He is telling things, he is foretelling things that are going to happen in the future. By the way, if you look at Wikipedia and you look at the history of Daniel, they would tell you that Daniel's written after all of these things happen. Because they can't explain it any other way. Okay? So there are some biblical scholars that... That scholars who say, oh, yeah, we, did, we know that Daniel was written after the fact. But we have the story of Daniel, which was oral tradition when it was actually written in the writing style and all that kind of stuff. You, you can argue all that. But the story of Daniel was well known and documented throughout the Babylonian captivity. So we have a lot of confidence in the truthfulness of this. Okay? God reveals mysteries about things that will happen in days to come. Christians today, by and large, have very little knowledge or interest in the things that are about to come to pass and what God has to say about them. They'd rather sit down and worry about them. Worry about our present situation. We don't find Daniel worrying. We don't find his friends worried. They know what God is about and what he's going to accomplish. If we read the end of the book, we know how it ends. And we're not concerned when there's a, a friction in the middle, when there's a conflict in the middle. Every good book, there'll be a conflict in the middle. Okay? There's got to be a conflict to be resolved. Every good story. So, what, you know, so. How is it resolved? And it's resolved at the end. So Daniel knows. God knows. Okay? Let's keep going. 28 through 30. Let's hear this dream and what it is. Your dream and the visions that passed through your mind as you were lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come. And the revealer of mystery showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. Okay. We'll keep going. Somebody else? You looked and there stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of 
and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, <coughs> partly of baked clay. Then a rock was cut out, but not by human hand. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, and the silver and the gold were all, gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on the threshing floor. The wind swept them away, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Wow. I think, I think we're still talking, uh, am I still talking with the Veggie Tales generation? Y'all familiar with Veggie Tales? So y'all know the song. Y'all got to sing it to me. I sang to y'all last week, so y'all sing it to me. The bunny, the bunny. Oh, I love the bunny. Don't love. What is the rest of it? What is it? I won't eat my soup or my bread, just the bunny. What's what is he praising here? What kind of what what kind of statue is are they doing in Veggie Tales? Oh, an idol. Yeah. The idol. I mean, oh, this one is a rabbit. It's a chocolate rabbit. It's chocolate. Y'all know people that worship chocolate. I know people that worship chocolate. What's that? I wouldn't say worship. I wouldn't say worship. Do they talk about chocolate? Would you? Do they talk about it with like tremendous emotion? Do they walk around with coffee cups saying, "Don't talk to me. This is just my first cup. I've got to have caffeine. I'm a caffeine." I'm, we used to have this student at school, and she would like. She was so proud that she would drink like twelve cups of coffee a day. Okay. She graduated, and it, it was a bit. Yeah, she will. Okay. Uh, you know, we know people who who like worship, literally worship, all kinds of stuff. So here he here he has in his vision this huge statue, and look at some of these things that. Uh, that are there. He, he's not interpreted it. He's just told him what the dream is. Okay? Here's what your dream was. You saw a statue, and this is what it looked like. Okay? Now we get to these individual kingdoms, these individual governments, and they all do fail, by the way. Okay? So, let's get into the interpretation. This was the dream. Now we will interpret it to the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven gave you dominion, power, and might, and glory. In your hands he placed all mankind, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the sky. Wherever they live, he made you ruler over them all. You are the head of gold. After you, another kingdom will arise, inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. First of all, who had the dream? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Who received the interpretation of the dream from God? Daniel. Who does Daniel say is going to interpret this for the king? God. He says we. Do you see? He's not puffing himself up. He and his friends from Judah are standing in front of the king. These are the people, these were his prayer warriors that prayed. They were praying. They're every much as part of the solution as Daniel is. He had them praying. Prayer is a powerful tool in the hands of a believer. Okay? Don't sell it short. They're just as responsible for this revelation from God as Daniel is. So God gives them, through Daniel, he makes one person a spokesperson, but he gives them the revelation, the interpretation of what it is. Now, he says, there's a, there's a, this gold head, okay? And what does he say about the gold head? That's you. You are the king of kings. The God of heaven gave you dominion, power, and might, and glory. In your hands, he placed all mankind, the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, Boy, that's pretty comprehensive. He's given you authority in your kingdom over the big part of the world. This was the biggest kingdom in the world at the time. Okay? And he says, you're the head of gold. By the way, notice the metals and how they get corrupted as we go down through here. 
and they become weaker and weaker and weaker. Okay? So uh, there's some strength to them. There's some difference. But gold is valuable. And, uh, wow, uh, you know, there's a reason there's an eighth wonder, uh, the, one of the seven wonders of the world right here. Uh, the eighth wonder of the world is compound interest. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, Persia. Uh, now, these are interpretational. There are different people that will place these at different times, but almost all biblical scholars agree with these four interpretations. That And, and there's going to be more to come in later on in Daniel where he reveals more things about these four kingdoms. So, uh, so we're on safe ground right here in saying this is Babylon from 605 to 539. Okay, This is Persia. Coming in with the chest. What's the chest made of? Silver. Silver. We see a chest is, is a strength. Persia's got a strength to it that Babylon didn't have. The Persians come in and overthrow Babylon. And Daniel's right there when that happens. Okay? And so it's in this 70 years. So he gets to see that happen. Right after, right after this is written, not long after this is written, Greece comes in and supplants the Persians, okay? So many of us know the, the story of Artaxerxes and the, the Battle of the 300 and Thermopylae and stuff like that, okay? That's all with the, the Greeks ended up taking over the Persian Empire, okay? Led to it, all right? So the Persians invade, the Greeks return and just say, oh, we're tired of fighting you guys back. You know, y'all can't come over here anymore. Matter of fact, we'll just take your property. And they did Okay, Alexander the Great. And then we got Rome. And uh, notice that Rome has got toes. Yes. Rome has got toes. He's going to go into a lot of detail later on, not in this interpretation. This is a very rough sketch. But in, later on, he's going to go into a lot of detail about the ten toes. Okay? About the ten rulers of Rome. So uh, notice, what do we do notice about, uh, oh, sorry, I guess it's in the next one. Let's go ahead and go with that fourth kingdom. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw, the feet and toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. This kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. The people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh... Key point here, Babylon, everybody spoke the same language. It was an Aramaic language. It was the language, by the way, that Jesus continued to speak in his day. Okay. Notice the New Testament is written in Greek. Greek. It's the Roman Empire. Okay. Look at there. It's been the Roman Empire for 150 years by the time that the New Testament is written. Almost 200 years it's been the Roman Empire, but they write the, they write the New Testament in Greek. Okay? So, by the way, Daniel is the only book in the Bible which has a significant portion of it written by a pagan non-believer. Huh. In Aramaic. Not in Hebrew. It's the only part of the Bible only major part of the Bible that's not written in Hebrew or Greek. Okay? You got the little signs above Jesus. They were little signs compared to Jesus. Uh, but anyway, so Aramaic and Greek both coming together here. Now we get to the now we get to the Romans and look at them. What's describe the Roman Empire for me from this description. What do you see? It's stronger than the ones before it and in a way weaker. Stronger and yet weaker. Okay? The Romans built roads. We know that. We studied Western civilization. They built roads. They unified the language. I, you know, there are people among us that speak Latin. Oh, that's French. Oh, wait a minute. That's Spanish. Wait a minute. That's Romanian. Okay? Uh, Portuguese. These are all languages that are just Latin, present-day Latin. Okay? But look how scattered those languages are. You speak Portuguese and you go to a, up to a Romanian, you don't understand them. Okay? They were still scattered. They were still separate people groups. 
And the Roman Empire splinters off into a bunch of splinters. We call them Germany and France and Lithuania and England today. Okay? Splinters off. We got toes. Okay? So, partly strong, partly brittle. It's divided up. Okay? In a way that the other kingdoms were unified. That kingdom is going to be divided up. And in the time of that kingdom... In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will endure forever, that one kingdom. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future, the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy. What's this other kingdom that comes up during Rome? The kingdom of God is ushered into this world at the time of Rome, Rome's empire, in the middle of those kingdoms, those kings. Okay? And we see it. Did that happen just right in the basically right in the middle of the Roman Empire at its you know between its founding and its strength and its fall, if you want to call it that. Okay? And its splintering. There's the kingdom of God ushered in, and that kingdom is never gonna fail. That kingdom is never gonna fall. Okay. It's not gonna be left to another people. It'll be the people of God, it'll be his kingdom. Okay? We've been brought into that kingdom, by the way. Okay? God started that with Jewish people on the day of Pentecost, and he expanded it us to us Gentiles. Okay? Anybody, anybody that is Gentile? Some of you may be ethnically Jewish. I don't know. Okay? But we've been included into that. Uh, Book of Romans tells us all about that in chapters 9, 10, and 11. Spends three whole chapters talking about how we were grafted in to God's kingdom. Okay? And then let's get those last few verses, 46 through 49. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered an offering and incense to be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, as you were able to reveal this mystery. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts upon him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. The king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. This king we saw filled with so much ego who said, my way or the highway, I'm going to cut you up. What do we see him doing here? Blessing. Blessing. Daniel and his buddies. What else? He's, he's admitting that, um, that he's not the one that's got all the power, that it's, it's God. Yeah. Yeah. You remember Pilate? What did Jesus tell Pilate? Pilate says, don't you know I have the authority to kill you? To take you out? To cut you up into pieces, basically? And what does Jesus tell him? You have no authority except that which comes down to you. Okay? And he's not talking about coming down from Caesar. Yeah, Pilate got his authority from Caesar, but Caesar got his authority from God. The president of every country or the king of every country, the prime minister of every country, they all get their authority from God who can, as we saw in the very first of the chapter, take them out. Okay? God is orchestrating the events around us. Okay? You can blame any country you want to. You can blame any ruler you want to. But your solution needs to be God. That was Daniel's solution. That was my, that's going to be my solution. Okay? Paul says, don't seek revenge. When somebody does something bad to you, turn it over to God. Release it to God. He's got the authority. He's got the sovereignty of your life. He is sovereign to us. Okay? And we see that his people are blessed even in the midst of turmoil. 
that God will humble egotistical rulers. Mao Zedong is a believer in God now. Because he's dead. And he's met our God. Okay? Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Okay? I don't care how bad Hitler was, he is now a believer in Jesus Christ. Because he now knows he was wrong and how wrong he was. Okay? Unfortunately, he died in his wrongness. And so did Judas. Okay? Notice, by the way, that uh, at Daniel's request, the king also appoints Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? And Daniel stays in the court. So there's back to Cheryl's question earlier. Why do they have to go looking for these guys? Because they're scattered around. The king puts them in charge of provinces. He's got 360 prefects, we'll see later on. Again, there's that number, 360, which is divisible by, by 30 and by 12. Okay? So their calendar was 360 days, by the way, not 365. So, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So they had some extra leap days. Uh, okay? So next week what we'll be doing is looking at who we're going to worship. And this is one of our favorite stories. Uh, even David Young alluded to it in this morning's sermon. Uh, who's going to be in the fire with us? And uh, man, as we go through the fire of our culture assaulting us and attacking us, we need somebody to stand with us. And God's got somebody in mind to stand with you so that you don't have to deal with it alone. Okay? May God bless each of you as you study his word. And uh, I encourage you to stay connected at MT316 tonight and uh, be with us again next Sunday morning. We are live and in person in the fuel class. Thank you, Carol, and thank each of you for coming. Thank you. God bless.